Hello and welcome to the Tennis Fanlist podcast, taking stock on the middle Sunday of Wimbledon, looking back at the first week of action. And there's been plenty of thrills and spills, hasn't there? I'm joined. I'm Marcus Ali, and I'm joined by Michael Gillett. As always, I know you've had your attention on some other sort of sport that happened in the last 24 hours, but let's forget about that and focus on the tennis. Yeah, any collateral damage uh, in in the voice is is uh, collateral damage from. Uh, the, the certain match last night, but uh, that's not to be spoken about on this podcast. Um, yeah, really enjoying Wimbledon. Uh, pleasure to have it back after missing it last year and uh, not failing to, to entertain in this opening week. Yeah, it definitely has not disappointed so far. Um, in this episode, we're just going to run through the goings-on in the first week and look ahead to the fourth-round ties on both sides of the draw. We're going to start with the men's, and what better place to start than possibly the, the best British tennis player we will ever see in our lifetimes, and that is Andy Murray. Um, I feel like this is a bit of a tricky one to sort of gauge whether he overperformed, whether he underperformed, whether this was about par. I, for one, thought his win over Nikolas Basilashvili in the first round was very impressive. Uh, then got past Oscar Otte of Germany in five sets in the uh, in the second round, really rallying centre court behind him to win those final two sets and claim victory. And then, of course, going out to the world number 12, Denis Shapovalov in the third round. Quite straightforwardly, but it was a battling performance from Murray. Um, I think the scoreline did flatter the Canadian a little bit in terms of, you know, he won the last couple of sets 6-2 and they were both sort of 45 minutes. There was a lot of, you know, he left everything out on the court. I think we can definitely agree about Andy Murray. What are your thoughts on his tournament? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, as you say, that Buzz Lashley win surprised me, to be honest. Um, I, I had him to go out first round. Um, with all the little tennis that he's played, Buzz Lashley's had a, a pretty good year. Um, but then, like any time I try and predict a match with Basil Ashby, I, I got it wrong. Um, Murray played so well in it, looked really good. Um, then, yeah, as you say, the, the Otto match, uh, or Otter, uh, I, I think is the, the pronunciation. Um, yeah, a, a, a really good five-set win, showing that he can still go the distance. I think that if you look at Otter's ranking and, and the fact he was a qualifier, I think maybe... To go five sets would look a little bit disappointing, but then we've got to remember this guy, I think, took two sets off Alexander Zverev at the French Open. Um, he's quite an informed player, to be honest. Um, had a, a good battle in his first round match, I think that was against Arthur Rindeneck, um, getting through that one. And he looks like the sort of player who, uh, I'm, I'm not sure of his age, I think he might be 25, 26. Um, he looks like the sort of player who, who could definitely have the potential to, to put together a sort of Grand Slam run at some point. Uh, seems to like the the best of five format. So another really good win for Murray. And I think with the Shapovalov one, it was possibly just a, a match too far. I think maybe if we'd had the Murray that we saw against Bajalashvi, uh, he might have stood more of a chance against Shapovalov. But for me, Murray did look a bit tired in this match, um, especially between points, just sort of was walking around quite slowly. Um just for me, he looked a, a, a little bit done. I think if he had got through against the Shap uh, against Shapovalov, uh, we would have seen a, a very depleted Murray in, in the fourth round uh, against uh, Batista Agu. I think it is Shapovalov's play. I might have got that wrong. Um, 
But yeah, I, it was a great performance from Shapovalov. Um, really impressive. The, the, the crowd seemed to really like him. Uh, and after the match, you know, it, it was nice to see him getting a really good ovation uh, because obviously everyone was devastated that Murray went out. But I think overall, looking at Murray's tournament, pretty good. I think you'd say, I think he would be fairly fairly satisfied with it. Uh, though the guy hates to lose more than anyone really on tour um, and would have been gutted at the what manner he went out to Shapovalov. Um, I think overall, he'd probably come out of the week and, and take a sort of eight or nine out of ten. Uh, for me, that's that's where he's looking at as a fantastic win in, in the first round, especially. Yeah, fair play. Eight or nine out of ten sounds about right to me. I think when uh, sort of reflecting on the tournament, I think Murray is sort of weighing up whether the commitment that it takes him and, and time away from his family and, and sort of in the bubble and all these restrictions that are happening at the moment, just to get to a level that can help him make only a third round at a Grand Slam, whether that is signed of something that he thinks is worthwhile. Um, you know, I think it was an amazing spectacle to see what he did in the wins against Basilashvili and Oskrota. Um, yeah, just just really awesome victories. And the way that the way that he can charm the crowd on centre court, I'm not sure I've seen it uh, sort of anything too similar to, to that anywhere else. Um, I just want to th- just want to take uh, your your opinion on how you can see the sort of second half of the year um, going for Andy Murray. Do we think we're nearing the end now? Is he going to be a player that's only going to prepare for Grand Slam tournaments and not really engage in the ATP tour, um, sort of in the sort of run of the mill tournaments we see every week? Or, um, you know, do you think he has the physical condition that he could potentially play more regular tennis again? Yeah, I'm not aware is he, if he said about whether he's going to play the US Open or not. I know obviously he's playing the Olympics, um, which are a, a big tournament then. So I'm wondering if maybe he won't play the US Open with all three of these tournaments, Wimbledon, Olympics, US Open, all coming very close together. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I, I'd expect we would see Murray at least one other event this at the end of this year, maybe like a sort of, uh, you've got the sort of 500 events that come up towards the end of the year, Shanghai Masters, etc. Um, I, I don't know what the situation is with with them if, if they are going ahead this year, because I know obviously the tournaments in Asia um, have sort of cancelled all last year, and I'm, I'm not sure how they are this year. But um, I, I'd expect we'd see Murray play more than just the Olympics uh, before the end of the year, but maybe not much more. I'd say maybe three tournaments maximum for me. Um, including the Olympics, and it depends mate, how how much he sort of uh, exerts at the Olympics. I think there's a very good chance he could have a really good run at the Olympics because he loves it. Um, it's it's a huge tournament for him. Um, I, I think he's also playing doubles uh, with Joe Salisbury at the Olympics as well, so that will take a little bit out of him uh, as well, of course. Um, and yeah, I think for for me, I think it's probably just post the Olympics. Uh, see where he's at, um, but I'm, I'm sure we'll probably see him playing a, a little bit before the end of the year as well. Okay, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Definitely take it, take sort of every month as it comes for Andy Murray. I do wonder whether he'll have the motivation to start wanting to go into qualifying for ATP tour events, whether he'd sort of hope for a wild card or, or, or not bother travelling and, and, and putting all the prep in. Um, but moving on to another sort of exhibition player, but player that we definitely want to see a lot more of on the ATP tour. And it was amazing to see him at Wimbledon. That's Nick Kyrgios. 
Um, somehow, you know, six months after playing in the Australian Open, he turns up at Wimbledon, sort of rolls out of bed and beats an informed grass quarter in who go and bear in five sets in the first round. I'm, I'm not sure there's any other player in the world that could do that with such little preparation. Um, went on to beat Gianluca Maggiere in, in, in straight sets in the second round and then had to retire uh, yesterday against Felix Auger-Aliassime. He pulled one of his uh, abdominal muscles and then couldn't really carry on. It just inhibited the serve so much. And uh, so one of those injuries that you don't want to carry on and, and make it worse. Um, so, yeah, we want to look ahead as well. Um, Kyrgios has said that he wants to play the US Open. Doesn't look like he's going to play the Olympics. Um, but, yeah, what did you make of his performances? It's, it's clear that the raw ability is definitely still there. You know, I think he's about, he's only 26, uh, Nick Kyrgios, so there's still plenty of time to go. Um, but, yeah, what did you make of Kyrgios's motivation, his sort of uh, sportsmanship, you know, his entertainment value? And um, yeah, just just his tournament as a whole. Yeah, I think it, it's been great to see him. As I've always said, uh, he he can only be good for tennis. I think um, he, even in sort of some of his darker moments, um, his entertainment factor and it gets people talking about the sport. And it's someone different. Um, we, we're used to seeing very similar personalities quite often. Sort of after wins, you get the textbook answers and that. Whereas with Kyrgios, it's quite refreshing to have sometimes. I thought he was really good this week. Um, as you say, you can't think of anyone who could just turn up and beat Ugo and Bear like that. I, I think the only person in my mind that stands out is obviously maybe a Roger Federer, who's also come into this with very little preparation um, and, and is playing extremely well. Um, but yeah, to come through that, I think 9-7 in the fifth set, um, fantastic win. Uh, and then look quite comfortable against Jean-Luc Magere in the second round. Uh, who's not a bad player at all, uh, started the the Auger-Aliassime match very confidently. I was sort of flicking between that and uh, Cam Norrie, Roger Federer. Um, but it looked like it was going to be a nice, sort of comfortable win. Uh, he looked like he was sort of playing Auger-Aliassime off the court from what I saw, and then obviously the injury came. Um, but that's going to happen if, if you play as little as Kyriossi said in his press conference after that, you know, that these injuries come when they're not used to the load being on and then that the load sort of suddenly coming on. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, a shock to sort of the, the, I mean, I'm not a biologist or anything, but, um, you know, it's shocked to sort of the, the, the muscle tissues and that out of nowhere. And he's just, uh, and, and he's ended up tearing something in, perhaps with a bit more preparation and playing a bit more regularly on tour, those injuries don't happen. And I think he's, he's aware of that. Um, he is someone who's always been troubled by injuries. Um, but yeah, I, I hope we see him at the US Open. Um, he's, he's always a great watch. And um, yeah, re really nice to see him uh, sort of in quite good spirits, even after the going off with the injury. He was very complimentary of Auger Aliassime. Those two seem to get on quite well. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, I, I think a, a really good event for Kyrgios and very much hope we can see more down the line. It was interesting hearing his comments in the week about how he just doesn't really care that people sort of think it's a shame that he has the mentality that he does, because it is clear that if you maybe did put more into tennis and and really work harder, I think it is clear that he could get higher and actually challenge to, to win a Grand Slam. But it's interesting to hear that he's just not so bothered about that and he's just happy doing his own thing. And I guess, you know, if he's happy doing that, then uh, then we should be too. 
yeah, who are we to deny him? Um, you know, living living his his life the way he wants to. Um, you know, I completely accept that. You don't, you know, this it's not a bad thing to not be as driven as, as the likes of, of Nadal, Djokovic and Federer, maybe in sporting achievement terms it is, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't deny him that. Um, having said that, what I would give to see Nick Kyrgios play as often as maybe like an Andre Rublev, Stefanos Tsitsipas playing all these 250s, 500 Masters, Grand Slams. Um, yeah, that, that would be an incredible, incredible sort of uh, spectacle for us all, but that's just not the way it's going to pan out. Um, just now, we're just going to move on to a couple of results that happened a lot earlier, of the week, earlier in the week, and we're a bit conscious about that, so not going to spend too much time on these. But one of the big shocks that happened on the first day of the tournament was uh, Francis Tiafo beating Stefanos Tsitsipas in straight sets 6-4-6-4-6-3. The Roland Garros finalist, um, having not played a grass court match before Wimbledon, probably since 2019, I'd imagine. Um, Really struggled, couldn't really get going. And uh, TFO, you know, he's, he's a very tough player to play on his day. And um, he was able to get over the line. What did you make of Sitsipas? Did it come as much of a shock? Um, I, I had him to make the semi-final. For me, I thought his game could have suited quite well to the grass, but we'll have to wait till next year for that one. Yeah, same here. I think I had him to the semi. Um, very disappointed, to be honest. I think it was, he, he, yeah, he, he didn't play brilliantly. Not taking it away from Tiafo, who, as you say, is a, a very good player on his day. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this isn't sort of a, a, a bigger uh, impact of losing that French Open final being two sets up, um, sort of with it in the in, in his grasp, and and then losing it. I'm hoping that we don't sort of see Sitsipas go on a bad run now. Um, sort of, I, I think he's very mentally tough. So I don't, I don't think we will see him go on like a, a stinking run as a sort of collateral damage from that that devastating loss to Djokovic. But um, this really, really wasn't good. I mean, it, it's two consecutive uh, first round losses at Wimbledon now for Sitsipas. Um, I think it was Thomas Fabiano, I think, beat him in, in 2019. Um, or it might have been Fabiano that put Zverev out. I know he put one of them out. Um, can't remember who it was. Marcus, did you want to come in on that? Or you... uh, no, definitely was Sitsipas. I'm just not sure whether that was 2018 yeah. or 2019. Uh, no, no, it was 2019. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's two two consecutive Wimbledons he's gone out in the first round because I think 2018 he did actually make the the fourth round, um, which was a really good uh, point for him to reach at that. Age. I mean, what age in 2018 he would have been 19, maybe. Um, so to, yeah, to do that fourth round is really promising for for grass court player, and it's quite clear that he has got a brilliant grass. Like he should have a brilliant grass court game. He said afterwards that he thinks he should have played uh, Eastbourne or uh, Mallorca um, before for a bit more preparation. I think he's spot on, really. I think to be honest, it's such a quick transaction from clay to grass that the only players that can really get away with not playing those sorts of tournaments are your Federer's and actually Federer did play one um but you know your, your Djokovic um Nadal if he was playing uh grass I think they can get away with it because they've been around forever and they are so used to playing on these surfaces but when since Bass has played as little grass court tennis as he has uh, he should really be playing one of those tournaments uh before so, yeah, very disappointed in, in Sitsipas. Um, but can't take it away from Tiafo, who did play a brilliant match. 
And looking back quickly to the very first match uh, on centre court of, of the whole tournament, which was Novak Djokovic against Jack Draper, a, a match that we really bigged up uh, in preview in the tournament. And I don't think he let us down at all. Um, Jack Draper really stunning the tennis world and the world number one himself in taking the first set 6-4. Um, I think we gave sort of predictions of where we'd level success for Draper. I know you said six games where he won them in the first set. He only went on to win five after that, 11 in total. I think I said nine or 10 would be a decent effort. So yeah, uh, the world number 253, 19-year-old Great Britain's Jack Draper really did himself justice in this match. Yeah, it's been a good good Wimbledon, I think, for, for British youngsters so far. We'll go on to, to talk about Emma Raducanu later on. But though this was a loss for Jack Draper, it's got to feel like a, a bit of a win for me. Um, to, to go set up against Djokovic, centre court at Wimbledon, I, I, he can't be too gutted about losing now. <laughs> I know, uh, yeah, initially his thoughts are probably going to be a little bit gutty. You know, it's, it's human reaction to losing. But um, I really hope he's not going to lose any sleep over being a set up against Djokovic and not winning because um, Djokovic, he had to bring some of the best out in Djokovic and, and that's a, a brilliant... Uh, thing to, to to achieve. Um, Djokovic wasn't great in the first set, but Jack Draper w- was really good and brought it to him. But then after that, Djokovic really had to turn it on. And, and I think Djokovic is one of these players who probably, you know, d- doesn't really want to be doing that too early on. I remember last year, uh, sorry, not last year, 2019, sort of his early um, rounds, I think he played, uh, he played Uber Herkash uh, quite early on and, and Dennis Kudler, who we played again this year. I remember watching those matches and, um, you know, he, he never really had to get out of sort of third, fourth gear maybe. But, um, yeah, this match, he, he did. And that's a, a brilliant credit to Jack Draper, who I think we'll hopefully see a lot more of in, in the future. I won't, you know, this doesn't mean that we certainly will. And he's going to be the next big thing. He's, he's got a long way to go. Um, got to play a lot more matches as well. He hasn't played too much uh, on the main tour. But uh, hopefully this sort of US swing, Coming up, we can see him at some of the the 250 tournaments, maybe even a, a wild card in at the Masters, uh, like they gave him in Miami earlier this year. And and maybe uh, I'm assuming his ranking will jump massively um, after this week. I'm, I'm I don't know where about to end up, but um, I I expect we'll definitely see him climbing towards the end of the year. Okay, so that concludes our little reflection part on the men's side. We're now going to look ahead to the eight last 16 ties. I'm just going to run through them in order of the draw, top to bottom. Uh, we're going to keep this as short and sweet as we can, a bit conscious of time, but obviously there's going to be more matches that are maybe a bit more debatable than others. So at the top of the draw, you've got Novak Djokovic versus Christian Garin. Uh, we both have Mark Pullmans to make it through this little section of the draw, but fair play to Garin. It was a generous section, uh, I think it has to be said. Um, but yeah, beating, I think it was Zapata Mirayas in the first round, then Polmans, and then Pedro Martinez, who bit knocked out Gael Monfils uh, in the third round. Tends to do quite well at the slams in the end, does Pedro Martinez, sort of out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, what do you make of this one? I see nothing else apart from Novak Djokovic in straight sets, personally. Christian Garin in three. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, yeah, Djokovic in straights. I, I can't. Garin, obviously not. Uh, a player suited too much to, to the grass. Djokovic's uh, motivation is very high right now. He's going for what, equaling um, Federer and Nadal on 20 slams each. Um, he'll also become, I think it's the fourth man 
uh, only the fourth man to be able to win three consecutive Wimbledons. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I, I don't see anything else other than than Djokovic winning in straight. So I think Garin would be very happy with a set. Uh, but yeah, to Djokovic in three. Next up is the defeater of Yannick Sinner in the first round, Marton Fuchovic. Has done really well to make the last 16, to be fair. And he faces one of his nemesis. Uh, he's lost to Andre Rublev at least two or three times this year. Um, probably can't stand the sight of him at the moment. Uh, and for that head-to-head record, I'd make Rublev quite a strong favourite. You know, Fuchovic is always a, a difficult player. You know, you're going to have to bring close to your best game to, to get the better of him. But I'm going to go for Rublev in four in this matchup. Yeah, um, this out of all the fourth rounds is the match that has uh, taken place the most uh, with them meeting five times. And it's a 4-1 head-to-head uh, in favour of, of the Russian. Um, yeah, I probably would agree with you again. I, I think Fuzovic is too much of a, a good player not to take a set and Rublev uh, hasn't you know, done too much at the Grand Slams as of yet. Um, I think I had quite a tough first round match. I can't remember how that went. You might, I, I think he might have been pushed a bit in the, the first round. Uh, maybe not, can't remember. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've got to go Andre Rublev in four sets as well. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Fair play. Now this next one, I know you wanted to uh, speak about Karen Hatchinov a little bit more than uh, the, the four players in the earlier two matches. Um, he's got past Mackenzie McDonald, Igor Garasimov and Francis TFO in straight sets uh, to make it through to the last 16. The Russian's 25 now. Is it about time we're seeing this kind of form from him? Obviously, it's going to be a very tricky match against an informed Sebastian Korda. But yeah, what have you made of Hatchinov so far? Is it, you know, a, a timely little run of form? Very surprised. I think we both had him to go out in the first round to Mackenzie McDonald, who's been playing really well recently on really good form. Um and he's made quite light work of his draw. Um, obviously dropping a set to McDonald's, but then to, to do straights, uh, Grasimov and TFO, considering TFO put out the third seed, um, I don't, I don't, this wasn't really expected from Hatchinoff. He's had a bit of a, a poor year, to be honest. Um, not really been able to string too many runs together. But it's clear the amount of potential that, he, that he's got. He's always had. He won... I want to say, was it 2017 or 18 when he won that Paris Masters beating, um, you know, like, I want to say it was like two of the, the big three and then a couple of other top 10 players. It was an insane run. And if you told me then that by now he'd only have made one Grand Slam quarterfinal, that coming at the French Open, uh, which kind of surprises me a little bit. Um, that Yeah, that really does surprise me. And I, I think um, this now for me has to, to be a... A quarterfinal appearance. I, I actually feel confident. Well, not not confident, but I, Seb Corder's really impressed me in this tournament. I think this match is going to go to five sets. Um, Corder looked really good over uh, against British number one Dan Evans, beating him in in uh, four sets, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, beating uh, Dan Evans in in four sets. Uh, also beating Alex Dimonur in four sets uh, and a straight sets victory in the second round against Huang of, of France. Uh, but that's two really good seeded players that Corder's knocked out and two in-form seeded players in, in Demonur and Dan Evans. So um, this match is a really, really interesting match, one that I would quite like to watch depending on, on sort of when it comes on, what time other matches are. Um, but for me, this is 
going to be a five setter, and I think I'm going to just edge towards uh, Sebastian Corda uh, to make his uh, first Grand Slam quarterfinal on on his Wimbledon debut. Looking really hot in his first grass court season uh, on the sort of men's tour is, is Sebastian Corda. He beat Roberto Bautista and Kei Nishikori in Halle in lead up to this tournament. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't be as surprised or pleasantly surprised. You know, I know we both had him to beat Alex Di Minori in the first round on our, on our draws, um, but I didn't expect him to make such light work of Dan Evans. I'm going to go for five sets similar to you, but I think the experience might just shine through in the pressure moments. I think Karen Hatchinov can gather himself uh, to, to, to make the quarterfinal here in a, a second Grand Slam quarterfinal, as you mentioned. Uh, the next up is Denis Shapovalov against Roberto Baltista Agut. Now, this is a really interesting one for me, you know, sort of the older player against a, a younger up-and-coming player, I think. Uh, Shapovalov is just two places behind Baltista Agut in the rankings, so this match could actually have quite a good, uh, quite a big sort of say on on the rankings when when we go when after we've uh, Wimbledon has finished. So yeah, what do you make of this one? Shapovalov, massive left hand, a huge forehand, huge backhand. The serves good when it's popping. Baltista Agut has got the experience at Wimbledon but maybe doesn't come into this one as fancied. What are you saying? Yeah, as we've chatted before, um, it's a very interesting little quarter of the draw with one of um, Hatchinoff, Korda, Bautista, Gu and Shapovalov is, is going to get to the semi. Um, obviously, Bautista Gu has been there before, so you'd, you'd back him with, with a little bit more experience, as you say. But for me, Shapovalov um, came through very comfortably against Andy Murray. I watched Bautista Agu against uh, Dominic Kopfer in, in the last round. Um, Kopfer, a good player and on good form. Uh, but, and Bautista Agu looked really good against him, but was pushed a bit more. Uh, for, for me, I reckon Shapovalov is, is not going to turn down this opportunity to to really have a go at making his, I'm assuming, first... Uh, yeah, well, it would be his first Grand Slam semi-final um so yeah i'm gonna go shapovalov in four sets i'm seeing some mental fragility just how he sort of should have won against pablo Carreno booster at the u.s open quarterfinal and managed to sort of throw that one away and and uh, lose to the spaniard who made the semi-final and i think we might have a little bit similar around earlier I'm going to go for Bautista Agut in four sets here. Uh, the next one is Matteo Berrettini, your finalist against Ilya Ivashka of Belarus. Now, Ivashka comes in, uh, sort of coming through this section, maybe as a bit of a surprise. He beat Halme Munar in straight sets in the first round. Then Jeremy Shardy, who had beaten Aslan Karatsev in the first round in four sets. And then coming through Jordan Thompson, who had beat Kanishi Kori uh, in, in straight sets in the third round. So, sort of beating lesser players who had beaten better opponents that, than we would have thought were more likely to come through this section of the draw than Ivashka. Uh, he had played a lot of grass court tennis. He played in all three weeks of the tournament. So Stuttgart while Roland Garros was still finishing. Then he went to Halle. Then he went to Eastbourne. He had to qualify for all of these events. Um, you know, he had some mixed fortunes. I think quarterfinal at Eastbourne was his, was his best result across those events. So, but I mean, but I mean, the experience and just the exposure on the grass courts has clearly helped him. And um, yeah, he's really sort of peaking at the right time and uh, could be a, a bit of a test for Berrettini. Yeah, also making his Wimbledon debut uh, at Vashka. 
And actually, interesting stat, if uh, if Ashka or Korda uh, win their four-round matches, they'll be the first debutants to make Wimbledon quarterfinals since uh, Nick Kyrgios did in, in 2014. Uh, and if they both did, it'll be the first time two debutants have ever made a men's quarterfinal in, in the same year at Wimbledon. Um, yeah, I think really impressive from Avashka. Um, as you say, hasn't beaten the, the most sort of spectacular of opponents, but they have all sort of earned their right to be there by by who they've beaten. I think that Thompson in straight sets is, is a really impressive win, with Thompson being a, a good player on grass, you'd possibly say it's his best surface. Um, and so that, that win really did stand out for me for Avashka. I was expecting Thompson would would probably come through that match. Um, but for me, um, Berrettini is going to be too good. That that week at Queen's, he was fantastic. Uh, he's looked really good at Wimbledon so far. Um, dropped a set in his opening match against Guido Payer, but of course, Payer made the quarterfinals uh, at the last Wimbledon. Um, seems to really like it at Wimbledon, to be honest. Um, and then not dropping a set against uh, Van der Zanschalp. Uh, and then Bedene. Uh, 6-4 in each set, I believe that was. And that's a really impressive and solid win for Berrettini. And Bedene, not a bad player at all. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, um, I think Ivashka's done well to get here. Um, and I think, uh, especially with, with Sabalenka going well in the women's as well, it'd be great for, for Belarus, very small country, to have uh, two players in, in the quarterfinals of, of both the men's and women's singles. But uh, for me, th- this... It's, it's going to be Berrettini in, in straights, I would say. I'm going to give Ivashka a little bit more of a chance. I think there could be a lapse for Berrettini on a one-set basis. I think Ivashka, if he can serve well, you know, he's, he could definitely take it to a tie-break, maybe even multiple tie-breaks in this match. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go 3-1, four sets uh, victory for Berrettini. The next one is a rather exciting one. You've got uh, 21-year-old Felix Borgia Aliassime against 24-year-old Alexander Zverev. Um, Borgia Aliassime, obviously, we think he matches up pretty well to grass court. Um, has done done very well in, in the last few weeks in preparation for Roland Garros. Obviously, had the benefit of Nick Kyrgios' sort of fitness woes that have helped him through the third round, but that, in turn, could make him a bit fresher for this fourth-round match. Obviously, Alexander Zverev has... There's never been any sort of great shakes at, at Wimbledon so far in his career, but he is sort of upping his, his Grand Slam prowess as he develops as a player, it feels like. So he'll definitely come into this one as favourite. Um, I think Zverev can get the, done, the job done in, in four sets here. I just think he's got more experience at this stage of a slam and has probably got a better return game at the moment than Felix Auger-Aliassime. seemed. Yeah, I think all of the sort of indicators point to Zverev on this one. He's got a free love uh, head-to-head against uh, Auger Aliassime. Auger Aliassime has never won a set against Zverev across those those three matches. Um, and as you say, his his Grand Slam performances have been getting better. So I think it would now be the right time for him to make it. I think it'll be a debut Wimbledon quarterfinal. Um, I'm fairly certain for Zverev. I'm I'm, I'm sure the the stat that I had in the, the last pod was that uh, Oli Djokovic, um, Federer and Bautista Agu had possibly got there out of the top 10 players. Um, so I'm fairly certain Zverev hasn't made a, a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. So I, th- I think this would really be the time where he's got to do it. Auger seem a great player on grass. Um, 
but, but I think this is only his second fourth round at a um, Grand Slam, the first coming in the US Open last year. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, Zverev, uh, everything points to him. He, he is looking a bit more solid now at the Grand Slams, as you say. So I, I think a bit risky, this this one as a pick. Um, he's not the most reliable player to get things done easily. But I'm, I'm going to say Alexander Zverev in, in straights, um, perhaps a couple of tie breaks in there with them both being a good servers. Pretty bold, lots of confidence in the German. Now this, uh, we're on to the bottom two quarterfinals and Federer versus Lorenzo Sonego has got to be one of the ties of, of the fourth round. I think Sonego has been a really good player, obviously made the final of, of Eastbourne and has got a grass court title on his CV. Nothing to match Roger Federer's grass court CV, but I think, you know, you have to say the Italian comes into this one in good shape. Uh, Federer got past Manorino in the first round in a fifth set where the Frenchman had to retire. Uh, then he made lighter work of his compatriot Richard Gasquet in the second round in straight sets. And then Cameron Norrie, of course, in the third round. I know that you watched a lot of the, the Norrie match and obviously Norrie, one of the more informed players coming into the tournament, you'd have to say, really in the form of his career is the Brit. Um, so what have you made of, of Roger Federer so far? Um, much improved from that first round match. He, he didn't look great against Manorino. Um, obviously got a, a little bit fortunate with Manorino took a fall quite late in that match. Uh, couldn't continue, um, which was a shame for him, of course. Uh, but then Federer looked brilliant against Gasquet. Um, playing some, there were some fantastic shots in that match. You know, with both of them having those sort of majestic one-handed backhands. Uh, there was some beautiful tennis in that match. Really enjoyed it. Um, but of course, Federer always a bit too good for Gasquet. I think Gasquet's only ever beaten Federer once and that came on a clay court. Um, and and Federer very good against Norrie yesterday. I think Norrie, perhaps the nerves did get the better of him at times. It was the first time he's ever played on centre court. Uh, so to play on centre court, you know, in front of your home crowd against Roger, uh, the one that everyone loves at Wimbledon. Um, I, I, it's very, very tough for, for um, Cam Norrie. And he, I think he double-faulted three times in that first game. Uh, still held serve, but um, double-faulted three times. And that was, I think, just a bit of a sign that Norrie was was quite nervous. Uh, Federer, really, really, really good. Um, looking very solid. Um, Senego, of course, coming into this on good form. But for me, it's it's Wimbledon. Um, and Federer is Federer at Wimbledon, so I, I'm going to go for a Federer win. Um, four sets I'll go for. I, I reckon Sonego probably does get a set. Nori, of course, got that set against Federer yesterday. Um, Federer hasn't been doing matches in sort of straight sets with ease other than that Gasquet match. So, uh, yeah, Federer, Federer and four. This is where the road ends for me. Uh, I, had, I predicted this, this last 16 tie. And I had Sonego to get through to the quarterfinal, so I'm going to stick to my guns. And yeah, I think he's a great player on Sonego uh, on all surfaces. Uh, 26 years old, he's developing nicely, um, probably around his career high, if it's not his career high. So, you know, I think he comes into this one in really good shape. I don't think um, the, the sort of occasion of playing Federer will phase him maybe as, as much as it would other players. Um, you know, I think he'll be able to sort of find motivation in the crowd being against him sort of through the adversity. Um, so I think Sonego gets this done in five against a tired Federer. 
Um, onto the bottom quarterfinal, and it's Uber Urkacz versus the second seed, Daniil Medvedev, who capped an awesome win in the third round, you'd have to say, after going two sets down to Marin Cilic to rally and get it done. I think it was 6-3, 6-2, 6-2, the final three sets. Um, so in the end, all's well that ends well. A bit more time on court spent than maybe would have liked a great win for Daniil Medvedev. Now, here's a stat for you. Uber Urkacz is the only player left in uh, the men's side of Wimbledon who has not had his serve broken yet in the tournament. He's beaten Lorenzo Massetti, Marcus Giron and Alexander Bublik all in straight sets. So despite having some poor form, you know, particularly over the clay court season, which doesn't suit his game too much, you have to say the Polish player comes into this match full of confidence and, you know, he's the Miami Masters champion this year. He's ready for big matches and he's definitely going to test Daniil Medvedev. I think this even after the Chilich matchup, could be even tougher for the Russian. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that stat. Um, I was obviously aware that um, Herkash her was having a fantastic tournament and one that perhaps had surprised me a, a little bit um, with his form being poor coming into this. Um, I, as we were sort of going through our predictions, I was writing them down and I'd had to put Medvedev in free. But as you've sort of come out with that, I'm, I'm questioning that a little bit. Um, Herkash, of course, a brilliant player. I think... Medvedev, though, um, has done fantastic uh, to, to get here because I, I think I kept sort of talking about his draw as, as being a very tough sort of banana skin draw, having to come through against Jan and Struff in, in that first round. I um, can't remember who his second round was, but um, I'm sorry, I think you did, you did say, um, and, and it was Alcaraz's uh, second round. Of course, and he beat him quite comfortably. Yeah, I did watch a bit of that. Um, of course, Alcaraz playing his, his debut Wimbledon. Um, and yeah, that Chilich match, I think it was a very tough match. It would have taken a lot out of him, but I think this does fill me with confidence with Medvedev, the fact that he's still got through it. Because I think, especially at Wimbledon, they are sort of the matches that you expect these sort of Medvedev uh, kind of players, Medvedev, Zverev, uh, Sitsipas, all, all of those sort of players. They are the matches in the past that they have lost at, at Wimbledon, I think. And um Chilich, of course, is Chilich at Wimbledon. As long as he's serving well, we can always get far. Um, so for me, uh, Medvedev, I, I think, does win this against Urkash, even though Urkash, I, I didn't realise, haven't even dropped a serve. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go for Medvedev in four sets, I, I reckon. Now you've convinced me that uh, Urkash could uh, serve, serve a set out. Yeah, I'm still feeling good about my pick of Medvedev to the final. Um, and yeah, Urkacz is incredible form, doesn't change that. So I'm going to agree with you, Medvedev in four sets, but I think, you know, it'll definitely have to work hard for it. And, uh, you know, if his level drops, then the pole, I'd expect to be able to take advantage. Um, that's the end of the men's side from us. Uh, moving on to the women's side and where else to start but Emma Raducanu 338 in the world gets a wild card in at 18 years old has just sat her A-levels and is in the last 16 of Wimbledon um, I didn't I don't think anyone really saw this coming she beat Dietchenko in the first round then Von Jusova who had knocked out Annette Contevate in the first round a, a much fancy grass quarter and then Serana Castella all in straight sets to make the last 16. This really is some incredible territory she's entering. And yeah, a, a really strong British prospect is emerging in SW19. Yeah, um, fantastic from, from Radu Kanu. Um, I think 
not only winning all of those matches in straight sets, but winning, you know, at times very comfortably. She, she won a set six love in that uh, opening round match against Diachenko. Um, only dropped six games, I believe it was, to Von Drusova. And uh, yesterday against Castella, a really good match. I watched this match. Um, she won, I think at one point, she'd won eight games in a row. She was 3-1 down in the first set and then uh, came back, won at 6-3 and then, and then led by a break uh, in that second set. Castella did go on to make a bit more of a match of it um, and, and looks uh, a very strong player on grass. But um, yeah, Radicanu, she's, she's, she's brilliant, actually. I think um, what... I was really impressed by it was with the passing shots were brilliant. I think I noticed actually towards the end, Castella, even when she was really on top in a rally, she wasn't coming into the net because every time she came into the net uh, and was really on top of a rally, Raducanu would just find a way to sort of squeeze at a really good angle on a passing shot and, and, and get it past the Romanian. So, um, yeah, really, really exciting to see this, this 18-year-old who... I'd only really heard of before this as sort of just a name on on sort of the, the British tournaments um, so far. And she played sort of Nottingham at the ITF. I think she's played some um, sort of Battle of the Brits stuff last year as well. So I think her name probably popped up on that. And, and I was uh, aware of the name, but um, certainly wasn't aware of the game. Um, and yeah, fantastic from her. And, and a real winnable match, I think. Um, Tomjanovic uh, is probably also the other surprise player to um, to get this far. Uh, it's very contrasting to the French Open uh, fourth rounds where there was sort of um, all sorts going on and a lot of the seeds were out, whereas actually there's only three unseeded players, uh, sorry, four unseeded players, my bad, uh, in the fourth round of the women's. Two of them in this match. Um, I don't know too much about Tomjanovic's game, but um, I'm... I reckon Radicanu can keep going. She's beaten better players than, than Tom Janovic to get here. So uh, I, I reckon the Brit can can make a quarterfinal. Yeah, we'll start with that in preview in the fourth round ties then on the women's side. Why not? And uh, yeah, I think Tom Janovic beating Ostapenko in the last round does kind of stick out. But the Latvian, she is a player who can dig her own holes at times um, with her all or nothing style. It, it, when it goes wrong, it, it really does go wrong. And she almost threw a match away, I think, uh, against uh, Kasatkina in the second round. Uh, she won it 8-6 in the third set, but the game was there for the taking. So I haven't looked at the stats, but there could be loads of errors in that match from Ostapenko and Tomo Janovic hasn't had to do too much. Um, so, yeah, we're, with uh, the three lines on my chest, I'm going to say Raducanu in straight sets for that last 16 tie. How are you feeling? You must be feeling positive about Raducanu. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I'll, I'll say Raducanu in three sets as well. Um, just just really, really impressed. Um, Tom Janovic, just quickly looking at her sort of stats, she's actually found it really hard this year to string together uh, wins. She actually, coming up to Wimbledon, uh, she was going out of the second round of, I think, uh, six tournaments in a row. So just win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. So finding it hard to, to string together some form. Perhaps this will get her going a little bit. But I, I do think Raducanu is so high on confidence. That really surprised like, you know, that, that was the thing I really took from yesterday's match. She had a smile on from start to finish. She was engaging the crowd. She didn't look like an 18-year-old who, who had any, any nerves about being on, on centre court. I mean... You know, if I when I was eighteen, if if I was on centre court, I think I, w I would have been a little bit scared. But she um 
she really just didn't seem like she cared too much and, and she was loving it to be honest uh, I gave a really good interview afterwards um she looks like she's just sort of living it up so uh, yeah I'm gonna go Radicanu in in three sets Okay, on to the next one, and it's going to be the Roland Garros champion Barbora Krajcikova against the world number one Ash Barty. This one's set up quite nicely. Um, Barty hasn't really lived up to her ranking uh, in the last few slams, but it does feel like she comes into this one in, in the best shape that we've seen her in probably since uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm going to go for Barty in this one. I, you know, I just think she's got the power game. She's got a better serve than Krajcikova and... Yeah, I make a strong favourite to to really push on through this section. So it's Barty in straight sets for me. Yeah, I think um, I might disagree with you on this one purely because I, I think I'm maybe just being swayed by the fact that Krajcikova has won 15 matches on the trot now. Um, Barty, though, has looked good, you know, beating um, Blinkover in the second round and, and Sinaikova in, in the third round. They're both good opponents. Uh, did drop a set in the first round uh, against... Suarez Navarro, um, yeah, but for, for me, um, I'm going to say that Krajikova is going to carry on this insane run uh, that, that's got her up to 17th in the world and, and probably going even higher after this fortnight, even if she does lose to, to Ash Barty. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, why not? I'm going to go for Krajikova and three. Fair play. Next up, you've got Badoza of Spain against Mukova. Um I've definitely seen a lot more of, uh, of Badoza in terms of on-court action so far this week. But Mukova actually knocked out the informed Camilla Georgi uh, along the way to this Lark City match. So definitely very earning of her place in the fourth round. I'm going to go Badoza in three. I think she's just got a bigger game uh, for the grass courts. And um, yeah, to, to make it through in this one. What about you for Badoza, Mukova? Well, yeah, Mukova uh, is a former Wimbledon quarterfinal, that being a uh, quarterfinalist, uh, that being at the the last uh, tournament in 2019, and and Bedosa, uh, having had her ranking sort of has climbed a lot this year. Um, I'm I'm not sure what her Wimbledon pedigree was uh, before this tournament, but I'm assuming this is probably the furthest uh, she's got. Um, I think for me, Mukova is is the stronger player on on grass, um, having made that quarterfinal before um, has come through. Of course, as you say, Camille Georgie, um, Zhang in the first round of, as well is a, a really good win. Um, I, I'm going to go for Mukova in, I'll go for three sets again. Next up is one of the showpiece ties. You've got rising star Coco Goff against former Wimbledon champion and a bad Homburg champion, I think just last week, Angelique Kerber. Um, so really interesting one here. Kind of like the uh, Roberto Bautista-Rugut versus Denis Shapovalov tie on the men's side, a very sort of quite big age gap in between the two players, but they'll definitely both be as hungry as each other to make it into the last eight. I just think Kerber might have a bit too much know-how um, and she'll get over the line in three sets for me. Um, Goff is, is becoming a familiar name of this stage at, uh, of a Grand Slam, which is you know incredible at her age, but I think this is where it ends for me. Yeah, interesting. Um, of course, Kerber coming in about uh, back of eight wins, um, but Goff hasn't dropped a set uh, so far. Coming through against the British uh, youngster uh, Francesca Jones in in the first round, uh, I, I saw Goff uh, quite a bit of a match against uh, Vesnina, 
in the second round and then beating uh, Kaya Yuvan in, in the third round as well. Another up-and-coming youngster um, who, who is looking really promising. So for me, uh, I, I think Coco Goff uh, is the, the one to, to beat. Uh, well, not in the whole draw, but in this match. Um, yeah, Kerber, for me, um, just I haven't seen any of her play yet, to be honest. Uh, but her results, you know, being a little bit more uh, less one-sided than, than Goff's results. And uh, yeah, I think the, the youngster's going to do it. She attracts brilliant support on, on uh, the Wimbledon court. So I'm, I'm assuming this will be on centre court. Um, the, the crowd will be well, well and truly behind Goff. Um, not that they won't be behind Kerber, but uh, I, she's a bit of a fan favourite. So I'm actually going to go for, uh, I'm going to stick with three sets. I've put them all to go to three sets, uh, but I'm going to go for Coco Goff in three. Uh, on to a strong grass court player in Carolina Pliskova against Samsonova in the fourth round. Samsonova, of course, has, has put in some really impressive performances this week. And, and, and maybe also uh, along with Tomo Janovic and, and Raducanu is one of the more surprising names in the last 16. I'm actually going to go for her to pull off the upset here and knock out Pliskova in three sets. Uh, quite an exciting sort of younger player on the tour. Um, and, you know, a, a name that we see in this this uh, stage of Wimbledon for the very first time. I think Sam Sanova can, can get the job done over, over Pliskova in three sets. Yeah, like Angelique Kerber, uh, Sam Sanova is coming into this tournament on the back of a title. She won um, Berlin uh, a couple of weeks before uh, Wimbledon. So uh, she's on a, and she actually qualified for, for that tournament as well. So she's on, on a 10 match winning streak coming into this one. Uh, for me, though, uh, I, I think this is where her road probably ends. Pliskova, fantastic grass court player. Wasn't on the best of form coming into Wimbledon. Uh, two back to back losses on, on the grass, uh, including. Camilla Georgie at uh, Eastbourne. Uh, but of course, she did go on to, uh, no, not win the title. I think uh, Georgie was runner up, wasn't she? Um, no. No, she, she made the semi. She had was to retire. It? Oh, she retired. Of course, she retired. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pliskova for me, very, very good so far, beating uh, three top players actually um, to get here in straight. So uh, Pliskova in, in two sets. Uh, next up, Madison Keys against Golubic. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Golubic at uh, Eastbourne just last week. A incredibly aesthetic single-handed backhand. And I think she's, you know, produced some excellent form despite her ranking at Wimbledon. Clearly a player that really likes it on the grass. And I think she might be able to get the better of Madison Keys. I know Keys will probably come into this match's favourite, I'd imagine. But I think Golubic, the underdog tag will suit her. Three sets I'm going. Uh, yeah, I, I also saw Glubic at Eastbourne um, beating Madison Brengel in the qualifying. Um, yeah, a, a very, a very good player, um, the Swiss. But uh, for me, Keys has looked very good. She was actually my pick to meet uh, Serena Williams in the final of Wimbledon. Of course, uh, we haven't actually spoken about Serena Williams yet. Um, just quickly mention that that retirement in the first round. Uh, she was devastated. Very, very upsetting to see for her. Um, but yeah, I, I think Madison Keys uh, for me is is still looking good um, in in this bottom half of the draw. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go for Keys in in two sets. 
Yeah, just for a little pause from our predictions, then what have you made of, of Slipgate? A lot of players, you know, we saw Manorino have to retire after falling over. Of course, Serena Williams, the most high-profile player to retire in the tournament. Grass a little bit too fresh in the first few days of the tournament. Um, obviously, a matter of opinion, but players did look like they were finding it quite hard to find their grip. I know you had Serena Williams, you know, as your favourite for Wimbledon, I think, as she was with most people. So, yeah, a real shame to see her Wimbledon end in the very first round at 39 years old. We're not really sure how many more she's got left in the tank. Um, yeah, it, w- it was a real pity to see it end like that. Yeah, lots of players slipping over. Djokovic, I think, slipped over twice in that first set against uh, Jack Draper in that match. And I think that was a little bit of a sign of things to come. Lots of players falling. I think even Roger Federer yesterday falling over against Cam Norrie. Uh, Federer doesn't fall over on grass. Uh, that, that really does show that... The courts perhaps uh, not got the best grip on them this year round. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't heard too many of the players complaining too much. I, I think, you know, Djokovic, uh, one of his comments, I think after his, uh, it wasn't the Draper match, I can't remember which match it was after, but um, he sort of said, I don't mind if I fall over as long as I still win the points. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, it was a shame to see it end in that way. Poor Serena looked devastated, as I said, uh, to, to be exiting a tournament that she loves so much. And the crowd do love her um, at Wimbledon. You know, Serena is a, a bit of a fan favourite at, uh, at SW19. So, uh, yeah, re- really upsetting to see. Maybe the last time we'll see her at Wimbledon. I, I suspect probably not. I suspect she'll probably be the sort of person who maybe would announce when she's going to do a sort of last appearance at tournaments. But of course, you know, she's got to get have her fitness for it. There's no guarantee to look 40 years old, especially as well, you know, being being a mum now as well. She's uh, going to be, um, her mind is going to be elsewhere a lot of the time as well. She can't commit as much time to just constant training and traveling around the world um, with, with her family now. So, um yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll see her at least one more when we're doing, because it would be a shame if, if this was sort of the end of the road, a retirement in the first round. Definitely not a reflection of Serena Williams at Wimbledon. So on to the final two quarterfinals on the women's side, and it's 2020 French Open champion Igor Sviontek against the inform on Jabour of Tunisia. Jabour has had a really good grass court season so far actually vomited vomited before match point in her third round victory, um, but was able to serve it out in the end. It's just slipped my mind who that was against, but as a pretty high, highly rated player. Also, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure you'll fill me on with, fill me in with that. I make her favourite coming into this. I, you know, although Sviantec's done well, you know, she did, got quite far at Eastbourne, has obviously made the second week at Wimbledon. I still don't rate her on the grass as much, to be honest. I, th- I do think she's possibly overperformed to make the last 16 here. I'm going to go for Onjabur in straight sets. I mean, it, it was um, Muguruza who uh, Jabur had that match point against. Uh, I think it's harsh to say you don't rate her on the grass purely because we haven't really seen Tech on grass yet. Um, like This is obviously her first grass court tournament. She won a match uh, beating Heather Watson from coming from behind at Eastbourne. Um, and, and then losing to, to Kazakina, but you know, hasn't dropped a set so far. Um, on the way, and um, play some good players as well, actually. Um, so I think I think it's harsh to say that I, I don't rate on grass, but I, I would go for Jabur 
more just because of that sort of pedigree um, that, that we've seen from her. And, and, and I've seen more of her on grass. Um, that win against Muguruza is a really good win, of course. Muguruza being a, a former champion at Wimbledon. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for Jabur in, in two sets. But um, I, I think Suantek has definitely looked good so far on the grass and, and has showed that she could be a... a a really good all-rounder uh, going going ahead. I mean, of course, she's only 20 years old. The final quarter-final at the bottom of the draw on the women's side is Elena Rybakina versus Arena Sabalenka. One, definitely one of the highlights. I think this is going to be an awesome match. Two players possessing so much power, both great servers. Um, this really could be a spectacle to behold. Rybakina, of course, the Kazakhstani, had a, a good week at Eastbourne um, and has managed to sort of put that transfer that form into Wimbledon, just 22 years of age. Um, Sabalenka also sort of in her early to mid-20s as well. So players that we could be seeing at this stage of the tournament for years to come. I think the pressure on Sabalenka could make this one interesting. Um, I'm going to reserve my judgment until uh, you've given your prediction. I, I definitely see this one going the distance. Yeah, this is a really, really good match. I'd really like to watch this match. I think out of the, the women's four franchise, there's some cracking matches in there. Uh, with Goff, Kerber, Krajcikova, uh, Barty, um, and of course, Radikanu. But I, I think this one, for me, it could be the, the best watch out of all of them. Um, I think Rybakina has looked at perhaps a little bit stronger so far in, in the tournament, not dropping a set. Um, I watched Sablenka against I'll, I'll tell you what, Sabalenka looked fantastic in her first round. Um, really formidable. I saw some of that match. Um, I, I saw the first set. Um, I think she won that six level, six one. Um, she was playing uh, Nicolescu. But uh, a second round match against Katie Balter. Let's give the, the Brits some credit. Uh, what a match from uh, the Brits. She um, you know, ranked down at 219, took the first set against Sabalenka um, and, and just looked so impressive. Uh, in, in that match, she's much better than her ranking, had problems with injury, suffers from, from chronic fatigue. That's not a condition I know much about, but it sound, doesn't sound like it would be very helpful for a tennis player uh, to have that. Um, so, yeah, she was brilliant against Sabalenka uh, in the second round. Um, so Sabalenka being pushed a little bit more. Roy Bikina, of course, looking very good of late um, with that win over Serena Williams at the, the French Open. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for Ryder Keener in, in three sets um, for me. Be, I suppose, a little bit of an upset, but um, we haven't... I think it is the, the sort of result that we are sometimes accustomed to, to seeing in the women's and, and, and Ryder Keener looking fantastic. I've pushed through Sabalenka to the final of my draw, so I'm going to stick with the Belarusian. Uh, I think Sabalenka in three sets, but definitely a match to keep your eye on. This really could be awesome. Um, so yeah, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, it's been an amazing first week of tennis to, to recap and uh, I'm sure we're going to enjoy plenty of it next week amongst, of course, the action of the Euros, Wimbledon fighting a little bit for, for competition for our time and everyone else's time. But no, yeah, I'm not sure I'll find space to take in plenty of the tennis. It really is set up um, to be an awesome week. Thanks for joining me as always, Michael. Thank you very much. A brilliant week of sport. It does always annoy me a little bit when uh, Wimbledon clashes with the, the World Cups and the Euros, uh, you, as you say, competing for, for views. Um, 
Yeah, three words I'll leave you on uh, in the spirit of, of Emma Raducanu as well as uh, the certain other support in competition. Uh, it is coming home. I've made that into four words. Uh, it's coming home. Uh, enjoy the, the week of sport.